From WFIU in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Earth Eats, and I'm your host, Kate Young. She looked at my husband, and she was like, Jennifer, translate what I'm about to say, okay? She doesn't speak English. She was like, tell Derek that I said to please start a website for you and help you spread the word about your cake business. And I was like, Grandma, I don't really know who's going to buy a cake from me. This week, we're talking with Jennifer Whitley, owner of Cakes by Yenny. She walks us through the assembly and decoration of her strawberry cake with strawberry buttercream icing and shares the origin story of her new home-based business. That's coming right up. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young. into the driveway of a brick-faced house in a stylish suburban neighborhood in Bloomington, you'd never know that a baking mastermind lives inside. Jennifer Whitley owns a small business called Cakes by Yenny, and she bakes in her home kitchen. Her path to running a food business is not exactly linear. She's trained as a speech-language pathologist. But in many ways, her new endeavor lines up perfectly with her history. We'll hear more of that story later in the show. What you need to know now is that Jennifer's approach to cake baking is serious, well-practiced, and precise. She leaves nothing to chance. Well, except maybe the final decoration. That's the more spontaneous part. Let's dive right in and geek out with Jennifer on the finer points of cake and frosting. I'm Jennifer Whitley, and I'm the owner of Cakes by Yenny. I met Jennifer in her home in southeast Bloomington, and she agreed to share some of her secrets with us. We're going to be making a strawberry cake with strawberry buttercream frosting. I got the cake layers started. I baked those last night, so those are ready. And usually I try to freeze the cake layers before I decorate it. It makes decorating a lot easier. I take them out from the freezer about an hour before I start decorating, so they've been out for about an hour. What's the benefit of freezing them? It makes it a lot easier to frost. So the frosting, I've noticed that if the cake layers are not either refrigerated or frozen, I tend to get a lot of crumbs, which I want to avoid when I'm decorating. You could always add a crumb layer, which is just the first layer that you do when you're decorating the cake, but it takes extra long. So it saves me a lot of time if the cake layers are cold before I decorate them. But then you do defrost them a little bit. You said you take them out for a little bit. Yes, I'm not going to frost them like completely straight out of the freezer. I was hoping we would be able to go through the process of making buttercream together. And I had prepped all of my ingredients, but I take out the butter to make sure that it gets to room temperature and it was starting to get to the point where it was gonna go past that, so I had to start it. Butter, when you're making buttercream, it really has to be right at room temperature. If it's not, it just doesn't go on the cake as well. It makes the decoration a lot harder. You have to put it in the fridge, take it back out. So really when you're baking, I think one of my biggest tips is to make sure that your ingredients are always at room temperature. And so how does it get beyond room temperature if it's in the room? How does that even happen? 
Baking for me has been different throughout the year. So winter time, I'm usually pretty good. The kitchen's pretty much at the same temperature, but in the summer, just kind of depends what the temperature of my kitchen is. Sometimes I've noticed if I've been baking all day, my kitchen's gonna be a little warmer, so I have to keep a closer eye on the ingredients that I'm putting out for the next part of the cake decorating or the baking process. So you took the butter out, it got, it was at the perfect temperature, so you had to go ahead and start. <laughs> So I want to go ahead and start, but I wanted to share with you what I added and just some of my tips when you're making buttercream and when you're making strawberry buttercream. So the butter has to be at the perfect temperature. It has to be at room temperature, which I usually have kitchen thermometers that I use when I'm baking. I got a little confused when Jennifer was talking about room temperature. I didn't realize that there's an ideal temperature that's often referred to as room temperature. When Jennifer checks her butter with a kitchen thermometer, she's looking for 60 to 64 degrees Fahrenheit, keeping in mind that it will warm up as you're mixing it. If your kitchen is warmer, your butter could go beyond that temperature and be too soft for making buttercream. One way that you could tell if your butter is at room temperature, you could put your finger on the butter stick and if, it, if there's like a little bit of a dent, it's probably ready. If it's too, if your finger goes all the way in there, it's a little too warm. So you start with the butter, you mix the butter until it gets to the perfect consistency, <laughs> which if you ask me what the perfect consistency is, um, I have to eyeball it. Okay, so how would you describe it then? Maybe it's, that's a way. Yeah, so it's very creamy. And I could tell you that when I put either a knife through it, it should be able to just easily mix off the bowl. It shouldn't have any tiny little pieces in it. It's like a cream, which is where buttercream, the name comes from. So you end up getting this really creamy texture. So you mix the butter first yes. until you get it to that temperature. Because yes. um, I, you know, I, I will say in almost every, especially like a cookie recipe, yeah. it always says, beat butter and sugar together until light and fluffy. Yes. And I'm always like, what? I never see light. I see light, but I never see fluffy. And I'm just like, how oh. do I know? Like, is that 10 minutes? Is it two minutes? Like, So you really have to get to know your tools and the ingredients that you're using. Because when I first started baking, I used to follow the recipe exactly, and if a recipe said mix it for exactly two minutes, I was like, okay, that's two minutes, time to move on. But I watch a lot of bakers on social media, so many people are on YouTube, there are so many podcasts, and I've learned so much just from watching and listening, really watching YouTube videos and seeing what people mean by fluffy, creamy, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what I'm looking out for. With that said, I've been experimenting a lot and doing a lot in my kitchen, so I know what my when my ingredients get to whatever texture is being described in okay. the recipe. Okay. So what you just said was helpful, though, too. You said, uh, looks like cream. There aren't little pieces. Yes. Yes. There aren't little pieces. And really, I think the nice thing about buttercream is you can't... you. 
You can overmix the butter to the point where it's gonna get really warm, but you could always save it because you could put it back in the fridge, wait for it to get to room temperature, and then mix it again. It's just gonna take a little longer. But with buttercream, once your butter gets to a creamy texture, I add the powdered sugar, which I usually weigh before I add it, and I sift it too. I find that sifting the powdered sugar gives me just a much lighter texture than adding it all in. And then with strawberry buttercream, I experimented a lot throughout the years and I learned that using freeze-dried strawberries gives you the best texture. If you use fresh strawberries, it's watery, you just mess up the consistency. So freeze-dried strawberries is what I use. Those are also just so intense, the flavor of those is so intense. Yes. Yes, so you get this amazing flavor and then you get this beautiful color. Yeah. I don't use any food coloring because you get this beautiful color just by using fresh ingredients. Um, so I mix the strawberries that I get just a powdery texture and then I... Oh, so you like blitz them in a food processor or something? Yes, yes I put them in the food processor. And I add the sifted powdered sugar along with the powdered freeze-dried strawberries, a little bit of vanilla, a little bit of salt to cut out the sweetness, and then heavy cream. Mix that all together and this is what you get. Okay. <laughs> well, that does look beautiful. It's a great color. Yeah, I'm going to mix it just a little more before I start decorating it. So now what I'm going to do is I'm going to prep my piping bag to add the first layer of buttercream. So one thing I should share is that part of my style is I don't add a ton of frosting on my cakes. I just don't personally like it when I get a slice of cake and it has a thick layer of frosting. I feel like it's not, sometimes it, it just messes up the whole experience of the cake flavors that you're eating. So with that said, I'll start with the first part of decorating, which usually I'll prep a piping bag. It doesn't have a tip. I didn't add any kind of piping tip to it. Put the frosting in here and then I add a thin layer of frosting to the cake board to let the cake layer stick to it. So that's what I'm going to do. Pro tip. <laughs> I never do that. <laughs> yeah, it's one easy way to make sure that the cake layer sticks to your cake board. So that. When Jennifer says she's prepping the pastry bag, She's placing a cone-shaped clear plastic sleeve with the tip cut off into a cup and folding the top of the sleeve over the sides of the cup so that it's easy to spoon the frosting inside for piping. So strawberry frosting, you'll see it's, it's really thick, kind of looks like, a, like an ice cream, mm -hmm. which is what people have told me my strawberry buttercream frosting tastes like. <laughs> Does the cake itself have strawberries in it? Yes. 
Yes, it does. So the cake itself um, actually has um, fresh strawberries that I reduced. So I reduced the strawberries and I end up getting a bit of a thicker consistency. Usually you can chop up about, this is a two layer cake, so I used about a pound of strawberries. Wash them, blend them before you put them on the stove, and then I usually leave them on medium low heat for about 30 minutes, and then I let it cool completely. And then I go ahead and blend it in to the rest of the ingredients. So you're making sort of like a fresh jam almost. Yeah, yeah, which is really nice because you get this really, really just light strawberry flavor as you're eating it. But I could see too, if you don't reduce it, the moisture is gonna mess up the cake. Yes, so I played around with this recipe for a long time. And what I used to do is I used to finely chop strawberries and then add them to the cake. But I didn't like the consistency I would get after I would bake them because you end up getting a consistency that almost seems like the cake is not fully baked. And it's because of the moisture. So I kept thinking about it. I was like, well, how can I add it? So then my first thought was, what if I blend them first and then add them just as a puree? That didn't work out very well because it was too much water. So then I was like, well, what if I reduce it? That's a really great idea. And also, I think sometimes when you have strawberry cake that has strawberries in it, you kind of bite into the strawberry and it's not... It's been cooked, so it doesn't taste fresh, and then it doesn't have the intense flavor that you're looking for. So that just seems like a perfect solution. I love it. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to you trying this and telling me what you think, because I'm very proud of this recipe. Okay, so when you are adding buttercream to a cake, every baker has their own technique. I like to use a piping bag when I'm adding buttercream in between layers because I feel like I get a much more even layer of buttercream. So I usually start on the outside and then I'm just gonna spin my table a little as I go. So that's the first round. Now let's say I was adding some kind of filling. You would first do an outside layer of buttercream and then add your filling to make sure that it stays in place. So I've got a good amount on there. So I'm gonna go in with this little flat tool that I'm totally blanking on the name of. You've gone around it in kind of concentric circles from the outside, but you haven't totally filled it in. Like the middle is still doesn't have icing. Not yet, and I didn't fill it all the way in because the layer that I added seems pretty thick. So I'm gonna go ahead and see what it looks like once I kind of blend it in towards the middle. And then if I feel like we need to add more, then I'll just add more. Okay. And then you're using a tool that looks, I don't know, like what I would call a bowl scraper, but I don't know what they're really called. (laughs) There we go. If you look at it. That looks gorgeous. It looks pretty even. Yeah, it really does. And also looks flat across them. Now we're going to add this next layer. So an additional tip. When you're using piping bags, you don't want to fill it all the way because then it just spills all over the top. Okay, so we're going to do the same thing we did with the other layer. I'm going to start from the outside first. And a couple of your tools are pretty nice too. You've got the cake board and then you also have this kind of spinning stand. 
Yes. I love the spinning stand. I've had it for years. I thought of getting a new one, but I think I'm emotionally attached. <laughs> so I'm gonna scrape it to even out the buttercream. Perfect. Yeah, so one thing that I sometimes do is I use this little tool. You can add a little bit of texture. So you're using like the tip of the offset spatula mm -hmm. to just make a little spiral indent. Yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Okay, so now we are going to add the frosting to the outside outer layers. This is the part where everything always goes wrong for me. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? Oh, no, crumbs get everywhere. So I told you, freezing the cake layers really helps with making sure that you don't get crumbs everywhere. Another thing that really helps is adding a very thin crumb coat, which basically means you're adding a thin coat of buttercream. You can do that. Put your cake in the fridge for about 15 minutes and then you can come back to decorating and add another layer. And then you're getting less crumbs. You're, you're frosting on top of frosting. Yes, exactly. Another thing that you can do is just make sure that your tools, as you're using them, that there aren't any crumbs on them. I usually have a little bowl of water close by so that I could just dip them in and make sure that I'm starting with clean tools as I go through each layer so that I don't get crumbs. So. You can do that. So for the outside, I always like to start, I always like to start at the bottom and then I work my way up. So I'm gonna start here. And again, you're using the pastry bag. Yes, yes. So I'm gonna start here, go all the way around. So many mysteries are being solved for me right now. <laughs> very therapeutic it's a very therapeutic part of baking for me yeah okay. yeah it's sort of the artistic part it is i usually have background music i always say sometimes i get inspired by the beat of whatever song i'm listening to <laughs> so this is basically a basic layer all of my cakes look a little different. I try to have an idea of what I want the cake, how I'm gonna decorate the cake based on the ingredients that I'm gonna be using in the cake and whatever I'm gonna use, uh, whatever fruit I'm gonna use uh, to decorate it. I think about the event and whatever the client shared about the celebration that the cake's being used for. This is a just because cake for you and I, so <laughs> I have a little more freedom there, but I do have um, a couple of strawberries and then I have some blackberries that I may use to add a little bit of contrast. So this is a process that I would say sometimes takes a little bit of trial and error because I'll start with one thing and if I don't like it, I'll just start all over again. So we'll see how this goes. One fun thing about decorating with fruit, it's natural colors. 
So I like to play around with the colors that I have to give a little more contrast and make it a little bit more visually appealing. You know what, I have an idea. Yeah, it's also probably hard to do this with somebody standing over you. <laughs> what are you gonna do? You know, to be completely honest, I usually do this when I'm alone in the kitchen. Yeah, I can totally understand that. <laughs> Um, I don't no like way. to have people around when I'm being creative. <laughs> yeah. There's no way I would do this with my husband or my toddler around. So I've got another piping bag here. And I have the 1M piping tip on here. Each piping tip creates a slightly different design. I've been learning as I go about piping tips and different tech decorating techniques. What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go for a little bit of asymmetry. Let's add some, hmm. Let's add some um, swirls here. See how that goes. I see. So that tip kind of when you swirl it around, it almost makes like a rose so, sort of look. But I think this buttercream turned out a little thicker. Jennifer artfully swirls the pink buttercream into some rustic roses and star-like blossoms. She casually places strawberry halves and whole blackberries as bright accents of color. She knows when to stop, and the process is remarkably quick. Let's add some strawberries here. Okay, I think what I'm gonna do now so I'm going to add a little bit of a border at the bottom. And so if you wanted a thinner buttercream at this point, could you add cream to it and mix absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah, you could absolutely add cream to it. You could tell when you're piping and when you're decorating if you don't have the consistency that you're used to. Yeah. So if you're getting frustrated, you can do something about it. <laughs> yes, you can absolutely do something about it. It's just going to take a little little extra. Okay, so I'm going to go around. Oh, it's so cool. It's like a little fluffy skirt. Yeah, so there we go. That is so gorgeous. And it's, it's simple too. It's not overdone. No, I mean, when you see a really elaborate cake with a lot of decoration, it probably has a ton of frosting, which is something I personally don't like. Yeah, so this is pretty much the last bit. I'm gonna leave this cake like this. And I usually, after I finish decorating the cake, I take pictures of it. So I've got a little light box that my cousin gave me for Christmas a few years ago. So I take pictures of it to use for my own marketing and then box it up and it's ready to go. This will be fun too. I'll get to take a picture of it once we've cut into it. I usually don't get to do that because it goes home with the client. We took the finished cake into the next room and set it up in the light box for the glamour shots. You can see one of those on our website, eartheats.org. That is so cool. I love yeah, it. I love it. I'm talking with Jennifer Whitley about her business, Cakes by Yenny. After a short break, we'll return with a conversation about food and family and the inspiration behind Jennifer deciding to share her cakes with the world. Stay with us.
Thanks for tuning in to Earth Eats. I'm Kate Young, and our guest today is Jennifer Whitley. She's the owner of the home-based bakery Cakes by Yenny. After sharing a tutorial for assembling and decorating one of her signature cakes, we sat down for a conversation about what led her to this new endeavor. First things first, I wanted to know what was behind the name Cakes by Yenny. So Yenny is what my family calls me, and I figured that the name had to carry something from my family, especially my grandmother, because she was the one that inspired me to start the business. She does not call me Jennifer. She calls me Yenny. She is, I'm Mexican-American, so Spanish is my first language, and in the Spanish language, the just sound in Jennifer doesn't really exist, so Yenny is what I go by. So I was trying to think of a name that would have a little bit of my family's background, but also a name that people here in Bloomington could pronounce, so Cakes by Yenny is what I decided Yeah, it seems to work. I mean, as soon as I saw that your name was Jennifer, it kind of made sense. Yeah. I would love to hear the story about your grandmother inspiring you. I have been baking for years, and people have encouraged me to start a business for a long time. But this particular summer, my parents and my grandmother, my aunt and uncle came to visit. We just bought this house so they came to visit to see our new house and while they were here we celebrated a lot of birthdays so I made a cake every day we had a different kind of cake for dinner every day and for everyone's celebration and there was one morning where my grandmother was like did you really bake all of these cakes on your own I was like yes She's like, sweetheart, I knew you were good at cooking and baking, but you really need to start a business. My family's in the restaurant business. So to her, it was like, obviously, <laughs> so why aren't you selling this? So anyways, that was a topic that we that kept coming up while they were here. And there was one day at breakfast, I had made cinnamon rolls. My grandmother doesn't like cinnamon rolls. So... She's like, oh, I'm going to pass this time. I've, I've enjoyed everything you've baked, but I, I don't like cinnamon rolls. I think they're overly sweet. I just don't like them. And my husband was like, no, you need to try this. It's so good. You're going to love it. She's like, well, I'll have, I'll have a little bit. Derek served her a whole cinnamon roll. And she ate the whole thing. And when she was done, she was like, oh my goodness, I ate this whole thing. This was so good. You need to start a cake business. (laughs) So she looked at my husband and she was like, Jennifer, translate what I'm about to say, okay? She doesn't speak English. She was like, tell Derek that I said to please start a website for you and help you spread the word about your cake business. And I was like, Grandma, I don't really know who's going to buy a cake from me. I was like, I only bake for family and friends. She's like, no, that's how you start a cake business. You tell people that now you're selling your cakes and then you sell a cake to a friend and that friend tells another friend and that friend tells another friend. And before you know it, now people are coming to you for cakes. She's like, Jennifer, I feel like you're leaving money on the table. You really need to sell these. So Derek was like, well, your grandma said you need to start a business. I think we need to do this. So he started my website, I would say probably the day after they left. 
He put together my website with pictures that I've taken throughout the years. So the pictures on my website are pictures that I've taken myself of cakes I've tried. These past few years, I put a menu together based on cakes that I know my friends really like and the ones that people typically ask me to bake. Added cupcakes to the menu because I figured people really like cakes and cupcakes. Yeah, especially for like birthday parties and stuff. I started a Facebook page, an Instagram page. I don't post a lot on my personal social media, but I made a post and I said, hey, Bloomington friends, I'm starting a cake business. Here's my website, spread the word. I started that, I want to say that I posted maybe in August. I was fully booked until November. And it got to the point where the first few weeks, I didn't know how much I could handle at one time. So the first few weeks, I agreed to making quite a few more cakes than I probably should have agreed to. Then after that, I started limiting the number of cake orders I was taking per week. And I also take orders based on what's going on in my family's schedule. So for example, around the holidays, my last cake order went out, I believe on the 22nd. And I've taken a break since. Mm -hmm. My first order is actually this weekend. Mm -hmm. So that's how the cake business started. I've been overwhelmed and just super happy knowing that people enjoy what I bake. Um, It's been really fun to meet people. Typically, when I get a new client, I always ask what a what the cake is for and what a favorite memory of whomever is being celebrated. What's a favorite memory that they have around food and dessert? I love hearing how people are going to be using my cakes as part of their celebrations. And I feel like you make so many great memories around food that the thought of my cake being as Being a part of a favorite memory just warms my heart. So, yeah. I really love what you said about asking them about a favorite memory because as someone who just bakes at home for family and friends too, I know that if I'm making something for somebody, I'm thinking about them while I'm making it. Exactly. And when you're making it for someone you don't know, then that element's missing. Yes. if you ask, then you can think about that a little bit. Try to picture it. Yes. And it's always really fun hearing people in the moment be like, well, no one's asked me that before. But a customer that I had a couple of weeks before the holidays, they were celebrating an 80th birthday. And she seemed so flattered that I asked her that question. I was like, do you remember maybe a favorite memory or dessert that your mom really, really likes. She was like, well, I think it was brown sugar cookies. She was like, well, she really likes brown sugar cookies. So then we started talking about the kind of cake I could make. I heard that she loved it. And I got pictures of their birthday celebration. So So asking that question is also helping you figure out what kind of cake to make if they don't already have something in mind. Like if they're not like, we know we want chocolate with this kind of icing or whatever. Yes. And then typically that question will also start the conversation of people's preferences Mm -hmm. on cakes and dessert. I've gotten a few customers that have told me, well, I actually don't really like cake. Okay, that's okay. What is it about cake? 
that you don't like? Mm -hmm. A very common answer is, I don't like all of the frosting on it. I'm like, well, that's perfect because I don't use a ton of frosting. So Mm -hmm. that really helps me get to know new clients. Yeah, and it can also maybe give you some things to think about when you're decorating too. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So one of the things that I'm always really interested in when I talk to people who have food businesses is what made you take this this leap? But it feels like you have told me that, that it was really not necessarily your idea. <laughs> well, I should add, I'm not a baker by trade. I'm a speech language pathologist. I've worked in speech language pathology gosh, since I was 18, certified for almost 10 years, but I was a professor at IU for six years. I was a clinical associate professor in speech language and hearing sciences, stepped away from that job to be at home with my child. We were struggling with childcare, Mm -hmm. whole different story. Mm -hmm. But this cake business has given me just something else to do outside of my day-to-day stay-at-home mom duties, Mm -hmm. which has been really nice. I'm not practicing, I would say, anything related to speech-language pathology when I'm baking, but it's been such a fun way to learn a different set of skills, to get into the business world. My family comes from the restaurant business, but I obviously haven't been involved with that in so long. I've learned so much about social media marketing Anytime I post a video or a post, I get more clients. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's just been such a fun way to tap into my creative side. It sounds like it could be as you know big as you want it to be, but you <laughs> might have your own limits on it. Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to one day own a brick and mortar, but that's just not in not in the cards right now. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying this stage of life and the stage of motherhood. So having my baking business is just something that I do on the side and a hobby that I've turned into uh, a business. It's really great how you can set your own parameters. You know, you can do it on your own terms. You can limit how many cakes you want. You can decide what are the times that you're taking off when you just aren't taking any orders. Yes, yes. When I know that I'm not going to have childcare, I avoid taking orders or I move orders around. There's no way that I could bake a cake the way that I did with you if my toddler was running around. What kinds of businesses, food businesses, do your people in your family run? restaurants. So my family's, they own Taquerias, which back in California. Mm -hmm. So Mexican food, tacos, tortas, flautas. And are they small mom and pop kind of things or is there like a chain or? Oh, it is not a chain. People had approached my grandparents a couple of times about turning it into a chain, but my grandfather always said no. So it's just a mom and pop place. Mm -hmm. And all of the recipes are recipes that my grandmother developed. So she still makes a lot of the hot sauces (laughs) with with her daughters. They're recipes that not even the workers know of. So yeah. 
Wow, I bet that is good Mexican food. So where in California? Uh, suburbs of LA, so okay. close to Long Beach. Um, it's in a small city called Hawaiian Gardens. Okay. There's one there. There's another one in Anaheim, California. And then my uncle lives in Oklahoma City. So there's another one there. So you had some exposure to that, but like you said, it wasn't something you had been involved in at all. I had been involved with it um, when I was living back home in California. I worked there, but a baking business has been totally different, especially with me being the only person running the business. But I've, I've gotten to use a lot of my skills, so doing cost analysis, keeping track of my sales, keeping track of flavors that are really popular, cost of ingredients. Can you talk about what parts of it you enjoy the most? I probably enjoy the baking part of it more than the decorating part. So the first part. So getting all of my ingredients together, making the cake, making sure that the cake turns out the texture that I usually like my cakes to turn out. That's a whole scientific process for me that I absolutely enjoy. And what kind of things are involved in that formula? For example, I've played around a lot with my chocolate cake recipes. I've learned that adding espresso powder really brings out the chocolate flavor. I have a technique where I add a little bit of boiling, hot boiling water to the mix to bring out the chocolate flavors. I don't know if it's in my head, but I'm pretty sure it works. So I like that process just because I've played around with my recipes for so many years. I have what I would say are my own techniques and my own little secrets and tips that I've learned as I've experimented. I don't experiment as much as I used to simply because the cost of ingredients are through the roof. So I can't really afford to experiment as much, but I really enjoy that process. I have definitely flopped some recipes, but I write everything down. I keep a notebook where I write down my own notes. I took that idea from my grandmother. She has notebooks that she has shown me before with little notes that she's written of just things that she's learned as she's tried a new recipe. So I'm hoping that's a notebook that I can look back on or someone else in my family can look back on and be like, oh, these are really good tips. What kind of baker are you? Are you uh, really organized and you kind of lay out everything, all the ingredients, measure them out ahead of time and Mm -hmm. then, or do you just kind of wing it as you go along? No, I'm definitely very organized. I would say that's the speech language pathologist in me. I didn't realize how organized and particular I was when I'm baking until I started teaching other people how to bake. I have a system. Um, I have a system. I try to make sure that I take out my ingredients ahead of time. I definitely weigh my ingredients all the time. I also have a system that helps me with the cleanup process. So I'll take out my ingredients, measure them, bake my cake, put it in the oven, clean up, do my first round of cleaning, and then on to the next step. So 
I would say I'm a pretty organized baker. (laughs) Methodical. (laughs) Yeah. I'm probably not as organized when it comes to the decorating process because, like I said, I I have an idea in mind of how I want the cake to look, but sometimes, I actually, I shouldn't say sometimes, I always end up with something, something totally different. So it's the more spontaneous part of it. Yes. And... Maybe I do enjoy that process more than I think I do, but it's definitely a process that is very different from my personality. So That sounds like it's a good push. It pushes you in the uncomfortable zone. Yeah, I um whenever someone tells me that that seems like such an artistic process, I'm always really flattered because I don't consider myself to be a super creative or artistic person, but Now that I think about it, I think art really does happen in the kitchen. Art and science definitely happen in the kitchen. I also think the restraint that you show in the design is probably comes from that. Absolutely. Well, and I've also learned that I like very simple designs, but the most simple designs are actually the hardest to put together. So whenever you're out there and you see a very smoothly frosted cake I guarantee that baker took a long time to learn how to do that so I see so the more kind of fluffy decorated ones might be easier to do or might be covering flaws or whatever I personally think you're covering a lot of flaws as you keep adding more decor but that's my personal opinion I definitely do admire those cakes that are so elaborate in their frosting design. But when I think of a cake, I'm not thinking of just the design. I'm thinking of the actual experience when you are slicing into it and eating the slice. I don't really want to see that people leave all of my frosting that I worked so hard to make on their plate. I want to see people enjoy the whole slice of cake, which is usually what happens. When she's not baking cakes, cupcakes, and cinnamon rolls, I wanted to know what else Jennifer likes to cook. I didn't learn how to make a lot of Mexican recipes. Growing up, there was typically someone else making things, either in the kitchen or making things at the restaurants. I I never really had the need to cook for myself until I left my home, my childhood home. So now that I'm so far away from home, I really enjoyed just Mexican cuisine. I dig into recipe books, social media, and just playing around with recipes. I think I'm probably my harshest critic because I never think they taste as good as what my grandmother or my family back home makes, but my friends like it. My husband loves it. Because there are particular, like, you're, there's something you're remembering and you're trying to make it. I think it's usually around, I don't know, there's usually a memory tied and smells tied to what I'm trying to make. Mm-hmm. So, for example, sometimes if I really am a little homesick, I'll make Mexican tacos in the morning. And just the smells of everything that I'm using make me feel like I'm right at home. Yeah. There's something about my kitchen smelling like my childhood home that brings me so much comfort. 
I'm talking with Jennifer Whitley of Cakes by Yenny in Bloomington. After a short break, we'll slice into that strawberry cake to sample it and talk about the possibilities for the next generation in the kitchen. Stay with us. Kate Young here. This is Earth Eats, and we're back with Jennifer Whitley, talking about cake and family and memory and starting a home-based food business. Earlier in the show, Jennifer walked us through the steps of assembling, frosting, and decorating her strawberry cake with strawberry buttercream. She put the finishing touches on the decoration, popped it into her light box, and snapped a few photos for her marketing. Now it was time to slice into it and have a taste. Do you have any special techniques for slicing? I do. One thing that I do is instead of slicing what I would say the traditional way is, I start on the side, I slice vertically. So I slice it this way and I end up getting way more slices. People don't always want a huge slice of cake. So when you slide it this way, you get a lot more servings. So this I would say would be good for 15 to 20 people, depending on how you slice it. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause if you did it the traditional way, it would be like eight or, you know, 10 or something. Yeah. Eight, 10. And I start on this end and then here I usually could get about three. Instead of cutting the cake into pie-like triangular slices, Jennifer cuts across the cake in strips about two inches wide. For the end strips, she can get about three cuts. On the longer strips, more like four or five slices. We have a photo on our website, eartheats.org. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm with you. This is plenty of icing. You don't. Right? What do you think? The frosting is so good. It's so flavorful. Like it's really got that punch of strawberry, but not artificial. Exactly. It was really good. Okay, now I really want to get a good bite of the cake so I can see. Ooh, I love the texture of it. It's it's fluffy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. You're getting a different kind of strawberry flavor. It's more fresh. Exactly. Even though it's cooked. And, and it's have... not overly sweet. Not, I mean, the icing has to be overly sweet because of all that powdered sugar, but right. like the balance is really good. Thank you. So, oh, this is so good. <laughs> you like it. Mm, I love it. I love it. I'm pretty proud of this recipe. Yeah, and it sounds like it's something you've developed over time with a lot of trial and error. <laughs> I'm pretty proud of how this recipe has developed throughout the years, or evolved, I should say. I really like the edges of the cake where there's a little bit of that browning, like mm-hmm. a little bit of caramel. It's so, it's really tasty. I'm so glad to hear you like it. See, I felt like if I had added an even thicker layer of frosting, it would just be too much sweetness with each bite. Right, and you have that border mm-hmm. for those people who just really got to have the extra icing. <laughs> yes, yes. I try to balance it and still keep a little bit of my style, but I typically like to ask too. I mean, if the icing is not good, I will often just peel the icing off and eat the cake. <laughs> right? 
And, but if it's this good, I'm probably going to do that a little bit, but then by the end, I'm going to end up eating all of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love both elements in different ways. And it tastes like strawberry, right? Mm-hmm. It feels like you're tasting strawberry as opposed to just tasting sugar. Good. I love hearing that. In Jennifer's kitchen, snugged up to the central island, I noticed a white wooden kid's tower. It's like a step stool, but more stable, and it's designed for little ones who want to be in on the action in the kitchen. I asked Jennifer about how she involves her toddler in cooking projects. Maddox just turned two, and he really likes being in the kitchen with mommy and daddy, so we've bake together, we cook together, I give him little simple tasks to do. And it's been a really fun way to spend time together and a really fun way to hopefully instill a fun, healthy relationship with food. It is the cutest thing in the world when he helps me make pancakes on Saturday mornings. His face is just the absolute cutest when Either my husband and I are like, oh my gosh, Maddox, did you make these? These are delicious. He's like, oh yeah. I mean, he makes a huge mess, <laughs> but he loves, he loves to be in the kitchen. Let's hear it for developing early positive relationships with cooking. That was Jennifer Whitley talking about family time in the kitchen and about her baking business, Cakes by Yenny. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm absolutely thrilled that you're here. You can see a photo of Jennifer Whitley with her strawberry cake on our website, eartheats.org, and you'll also find links to her website and her social media. And you can follow us on Instagram for more food visuals. You'll find us at eartheats. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Earth Eats is produced and edited by Kate Young with help from Aabon Binder, Alex Chambers, Mark Chilla, Toby Foster, Samantha G, Abraham Hill, Peyton Whaley, Harvest Public Media, and me, Daniela Richardson. Special thanks this week to Jennifer Whitley and her family. Our theme music is composed by Aaron Toby and performed by Aaron and Matt Toby. Additional music on the show comes to us from the artist at Universal Production Music. Our executive producer is John Bailey.